0: i
1: with our hands and pray, Father God, thank you for this beautiful day, weekend, to be in God's house, to call on your sweet name, Jesus, to feel after your good presence and your mighty power, your holy hand, I give you praise in Jesus' name, everybody said amen, all right, you have a Bible, going to the New Testament today. To be in God's house and be here with you. Chapter Sixteen of the Book of Matthew. You know, any service. God can do the miraculous and do things that people never expected him to do. Keep your heart open and uh, you could definitely leave here with more than you came with. All right. In the 16th chapter of the book of Matthew, beginning with verse 6, then Jesus Said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand, neither remember? The five loaves of the 5,000, and how many baskets ye took up. Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000, and how many baskets he took up. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Verse 12, then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. All right, everybody said praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to be seated. God bless you. We're glad you're here, as I said. And... uh You know, many times you find that people are kind of tied up, as the disciples were, reasoning among themselves. Awful lot of talk, awful lot of uh, confusion, mix up, and it seems that the more the reasoning goes on, the deeper the hole gets, the more difficult it is to get out of it. And uh, But here the Lord poses the question that is not singular to just this verse and this situation. Verse 9, he said, Do ye not yet understand? And it seemed to be a chronic problem that He was doing things and saying things and bringing things, training. And time was going by. Experiences were building up. And yet they seemed to still not be understanding. You know, it just wasn't lodging uh, in good fertile soil. It's been said in our area here in Delgadoide, that um, her soil is her fortune. And obviously we are very blessed in this part of the world. It's always an encouraging thing to me and a a rejoicing thing. uh, As I go along, whether on the old way or the four lane, and uh, I'll see the, the beautiful soil being disked up and being prepared for the sowing of whatever seed, whether it's going to be sugar cane or lettuce or some other crop that they have planned. And uh, think about your heart. Think about that God is trying to dig up your heart. He's trying to cultivate it, trying to get out the the old and put in the new. He wants to deliver you. That means save you. Save you means to deliver you. The Bible said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He shall deliver them from their sins. From your dilemma, from your problem, from your worst nightmares, he's going to deliver you from that. He's going to save you from that. He's going to, One place likened it to a horrible pit. He's going to pull you out of that horrible pit. And the Bible said you should look to him that did that. Look to him that is in the process of doing that. Let your eyes be upon him. Let your heart and your mind focus on him. Don't let it be scattered. Don't let it be distracted. It's very easy to, just like the, teaching that Jesus gave, a teaching of truth, and He taught them, He said, the seed, the Word of God, would be sown, and that it would be right on the top, it would just kind of get there and lay there, and that the fowls of the air that's been passed down, the buzzards of hell, would come and they would snatch it up and it would be that people were being given the opportunity to believe the truth of the scriptures, and that Jesus was showing what happens in some cases, that they believe for just that short period of time and they don't barely get out the door and the enemy is snatching that seat, maybe right in the service, mind being distracted by so many other things. Those birds flying overhead, those buzzards of hell, just dive bombing and bringing all kinds of distractions and getting your your mind thinking about about after church or tomorrow or next week or next month or all your problems and situations and decisions that you have to make. And he would like to uh, just make it so busy in your mind and your heart that you don't get any real depth of what's being said. It's It's not finding uh, the kind of soil and depth of it that would help it to produce what it's designed to produce. The enemy wants to cause you not to understand. He wants to cause you not to believe. He wants you to get so carried away with so many other things that you might even Wind up with ulterior motives that, like the disciples, we begin to reason among ourselves and point the finger at one another and back and forth until there's great confusion. And you know the enemy; he's the author of confusion. He he doesn't want peace; he wants confusion. He doesn't he doesn't want tranquility; he wants turmoil and uproar. Uh, he wants he wants there to be a fuss of some kind. It's got to be. Something surely we can fuss about, you know. And the disciples began to fuss among themselves because they got the not-so-bright idea that in Jesus speaking and what he was saying, that he was speaking about bread. They were thinking so naturally. They were on such a natural plane and dimension that they were thoroughly and totally missing what he, the Savior, was saying. He was trying to communicate to them on a different level. He was trying to reach to their inner person, the real them, the spiritual part. In teaching, as Jesus gave birth to the only church, the only body of Christ that there is, and it is for everybody everywhere. And there's no place that you could think of. There's no language or skin color, or nationality that you could bring to the table, but what God is trying to save him. And as he gave birth to that one church, that one body, of, not a church house, not a building, but a body of believers, and as they, from Acts chapter 2 in your Bible, were birthed and became the beginnings of the church, and as they continued, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, which was the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And they had gotten it from Jesus, and and they possessed it, the apostles did. And they began to teach others. They filled Jerusalem. That was the city where the church began. They began to fill that city with the doctrine of Jesus Christ, with the apostles' doctrine. And as they did that, then it became time to enlarge their borders and they begin to reach out to other for us we would talk about counties maybe going to other counties and and then reaching beyond those counties even to the point that other states and beyond states then becomes other countries and this is what the Apostles did this is what they were inspired of the Holy Ghost the Spirit of the Lord the church began to grow and reach out. And that's why you have the book of Romans all the way through to the book of Revelation because God's church didn't stay put in one place. They got the understanding, and it took a little while because they were pretty happy. They were having a lot of fun. They were enjoying their salvation. And that was a good thing up to a point. But then the Lord had to get their attention. And he did it in ways that he knew would get their attention. And he was getting a message to them that you've got to get up and get out among everybody. We've got places to go. We've got people to save. We've got a job to do. You can't just think about yourself. You know, if you just think about yourself, you'll start reasoning among yourselves. And you'll start nitpicking. And you'll start getting uh, bogged down. And it... it. Uh, it causes a lot of confusion. And it, the enemy's glad because he ties our shoelaces together and he trips us up and he gets us so preoccupied with things that just really don't matter. But he makes it seem like a big deal. And we start missing, we start missing that great will and mind of God. And so it was on this particular day that the disciples reasoned among themselves and they, they were missing what I started to tell you as you came, for an example, to that book of Romans, that that epistle, that letter, that message that was sent by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of the Lord, and sent to them that were trying to be the congregation in a place called Rome, right in the midst of, the world power at that time where the emperor was and where he was so much against the truth and the original teachings of Jesus Christ because he had gotten together with people that had left the original church and the original teachings. And they had a background from the Old Testament and they begin to take things from the Old Testament and try to make that work in the New Testament times, kind of like that square peg trying to get in that round hole, it just don't work. It just wasn't the right fit. It wasn't the right shape. It wasn't designed for that. And yet and that's because they were stuck in the old, and they wouldn't move along with God's plan. And uh, so, from their background, they put together a hybrid. They put together a very mixed up situation in Rome and they got with the emperor and they formed this religion and they begin to fight the apostles' doctrine. They begin to take counsel as they reason among themselves and they begin to bring great pain and torture and throwing people in jail and killing people that believe the truth believe the message. They wanted to stomp it out. They wanted to stop it. And of course, it was the spirit. It was the enemy working through them. And all the while, they're thinking they're righteous and they're they're of God and they're the they're the the big thing of the church. You know, that's what they consider themselves to be. But that wasn't God's thinking at all. And that's the difference. You know, what the enemy gets people to think versus what God really thinks about the situation. And so. As the book of Romans stated, as Paul was inspired, he talked about they that do mind the things of the Spirit. They that pay attention to the spiritual things. They that are after the spiritual things. They are like, you know, the proverbial Sherlock Holmes. They've got the magnifying glass out, and, and they're, they're looking for it. They're searching for it. They, they're chasing after the Lord and they want his leadership. They want to see what he wants done, and they want to be about it. And so the church that Jesus gave birth to, he said in it apostles and prophets, pastors and evangelists and teachers, and he set it there for the work that needed to be done, for the edifying or the strengthening of the church, and sent this church forth, equip this church, this body of Christ, And as they went forth, they went there growing in grace and knowledge, growing in understanding. We don't want to waste services. We don't want to, you know, if you think about it, there's 168 hours in a week, and there's very few of those hours that are actually spent in the church house under the roof in the air conditioning to, uh, to hear the word of God. There's a whole lot more hours spent on other things that life seems to demand of us, schedule. As we try to, and we get nowhere near really balancing it, but we try to balance our schedule uh, out there with things that we are doing and uh, in life as opposed to our schedule in the church. And that's why we want to stay and make every minute of our church involvement we want to make it count. We want it to be important, and we want to increase it if we can. You know, the Bible tells you to add, add to your faith and to um, be diligent about your calling and your election, knowing that billions of people in this world do not have the truth. They do not have the understanding. And Jesus is wondering, Why aren't they understanding? One place he even said to them during his earthly ministry, when he was in a fleshly body, just like we have, taking upon him the nature of Abraham, and as he went among them, healing those that were sick and doing so many good things, that he would speak to them, and they scratching their head. You know, they weren't getting it. And he said to them in one place, he said, how is it that you don't understand me?" He said, is it my speech? Is it the way I'm talking? Uh, You know, I have a little fun with Roderick. You know, he's from Jamaica, a young lady that he's, um, church lady that he's interested in. In a conversation with her, um, I said, is he treating you nicely? Is he being good? I said, because I've spoken to him. And she said, oh, it's not him. She said, it's me. I'm the hard-headed one, she said. And so we got to talking, and, and she said, but she said, I, I don't understand sometimes how he is. And I said, well, it's a very, very simple answer. And um, I said, he's Jamaican. Simple. And what that means to me, it's not a prejudice, not at all. I love him. I love all the Jamaican people. I love everybody. But I'm what I'm saying is, is that they have a style. They have a style. And um, I think the style is you don't kid with them. You don't joke with them because so they don't get it. They, they That doesn't fly. That doesn't fly. So I asked her, young lady, I said, have you met his sister? And she said, oh, yeah. She said, now she's serious. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That sums it all up in a very concise way. Nothing against anybody. Just some people, some cultures are that way. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, we've got to learn so we can understand what we're dealing with and how to better deal with it. And the Lord, the Lord was bringing obviously some thinking and some words to them. And they weren't getting it. It just wasn't getting down into the ground, into the earth, into the soil. And as the teaching was going on here in the Word of God, and as gives us a picture of him teaching them, there was an obvious frustration that surfaced with Jesus the Christ dealing with the people. And as he said to them, how is it that you don't understand what I'm saying? And the more he dealt with this particular time and situation, finally got down from the deeper past the surface. And he got down at what we say to where they really live. <laughs> and uh, he got to he was getting trying to cultivate the spiritual part of them, the real part of us, the inner man, inner person. And uh, the Bible said then they they kind of quit fussing with one another and poking at one another, reasoning with one another, all caught up in natural things, you know, and pushing one another. You forgot the bread. No, you forgot the bread. And back and forth about the bread until Jesus is like, what with the bread? I'm not talking to you about bread. You know, and, and then the Bible said that they understood that he spake to them of the doctrine, the false doctrine of the religious groups of that time. The denominations of that time, some of them were called Sadducees and Pharisees. Now there's other names of denominations in the day in which we live. And Jesus is pointing out a warning that you've got to beware of false doctrine. You've you've got to bring your mind to where you start paying attention to the spiritual teaching, to the spiritual things. that this is designed to make a change for the good in your life. And it starts with your heart, okay, not the fleshly pump, but your mind, the seat of your thoughts, your intellect, and your emotions that the Lord is trying to reach to the real you, and he wants that seed, the word of truth, to get a a deep, fertile lodging place in your mind, in your heart. And he wants you to to fathom and to, to comprehend what he's saying. It shouldn't be a difficult thing when Jesus, in his word, said it over and over again, what we call subject matter to repent, to repent. That shouldn't be difficult. We have one young lady coming here. She's probably downstairs in Sunday school this morning. I think she's probably about 12 or 13 years old. And uh, she got told one day that she needed to apologize. And her answer was, I don't do apologies. Oh, got it, (laughs) you know. So I kind of, from then on, I was starting to joke with her a little bit, you know. Now, you can joke with her. She's not Jamaican. She's Haitian, so you can joke with her a little bit. <laughs> she won't take offense too hardly. <laughs> and uh, so I told her, I said, "You, uh, I'd see her come in. I said, oh, here's a young lady that doesn't do apologies, you know. And she'd laugh, you know. And I just kept making light of it, hoping to get through to her a little bit. That That's certainly not the way to be. And the Lord. He wants to get through to us, and he's telling us, except you repent, he said, you'll perish. It's a necessity that we tell God we're sorry for being so sorry, and that we acknowledge, we cough it up, that we've been unbelieving. We haven't been listening to what he said, and he's like, are you still so without understanding? That's why it becomes a bit of a trying situation for us because some people, I guess they feel like they have a right to hear it over and over and over again while there are others that have never heard the truth. That we have to be careful that we don't get what well, the country boy said, "sot in our ways. That the Bible teaches that things don't settle down. The lees, you know, the dregs just fall to the bottom. And that we don't get an attitude. I was in a, a small restaurant, just a, you know, little place, nothing fancy about it at all. And uh, the different booths that people were sitting in, and all of a sudden, I heard a very loud voice, and I kind of listened up, and uh, the young lady, I don't think she was more than 20 years old, maybe more like 17 or 18, and she was holding up her glass to the server. Now, you know, the server, it's a person just like her and like anybody else, just happens to have this job, trying to make a few dollars, trying to balance his life with his expenses, you know, as, Paycheck with his expenses and and uh, yeah, he's working hard, you know, and and uh, she's holding up her glass and she says, "Ah ah, I don't drink pulp with my juice." And I'm like, "Wow, have we got attitude here or what?" But you know, the server I will commend him. Uh, he was very, very kind, and he just okay, and he. Took it and he exchanged it and we got her what she wanted, I gather, because I didn't hear her yelling about that anymore. A few other things. But my point is attitude. Attitude. I don't do a pause. Attitude. You know, reasoning among ourselves until we the enemy can get in there and make for attitude. Unbelieving attitude. Confused attitude. Attitude that we we're losing what he's saying. It's falling between the cracks. We're not getting the understanding here. What's so difficult about repent? Repent. Tell God you're sorry and change your direction. You're going the wrong way. I had a, a very, <laughs> what they call it, a life lesson. When I was brand new in the church, I was I would do, try to do everything I could for my pastor and so I was driving that day. I volunteered to drive, and, and uh, so it seeing Sitzfeld and Sister Dunn were in the back seat. So Dunn was to the right, and I'm driving. And so uh, we're headed down to go back to the church, and, and I took a certain path, a certain route. And uh, my my pastor said, um, "You can't go this way." I said, "Yeah, you can. It goes right up here, and you get right on on 95. You're right there." He said, "No. He said you can't go that way." And I, oh, I was just insistent, go that way. And I I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't listening. I wasn't saying, why can't I go that way? Or could you tell me why I can't go that way? Or which way you want me to go? And instead, I was insistent on doing it my way. Until I hit that dead end and that block wall. (laughs) And there was no entrance onto 95 there. And so, you know, then I, that's why they tell you the, wear chocolate shoes because you have to eat your words, you know, and get your foot in your mouth. And so uh, obviously I had to, I got very humble in a hurry and uh, I got, I went his way. (laughs) We got where we were going. But uh, you can, it's just like the guy that came out of the catacombs in your Bible, the one that the Bible focused on. How many self-inflicted wounds? From going into dead end, into dead end, into dead end, into dead end. And not getting anywhere. When that attitude, if that attitude could be that I'm listening, speak, Lord, the prophet, to be the prophet in training. Young, speak, Lord for thy servant it. Well, he got that from the person that was older than him and was had been around and said, the next time you answer, you say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And so that little bit of advice opened the whole spiritual realm to him who became Samuel, a very revered prophet of the Lord, who was raised up to be that. Now, God has good things in store for you and your family, for your life, if you'll simply allow Him to get down into your heart. He said in Revelation 3 19 and 20, He said, Hey, I'm standing at the door of your heart, and I'm knocking. You. I'm knocking. You. And He said, If you'll open that door, He said, I'll come in. You know you can't be closed minded You can't shut it all down and to where, maybe might be a little cool. Uh, we can't we can't be where we uh, get so stubborn and so closed down that we won't listen to what's being preached and what's being said, or we can't get so distracted, or we can't get so confused that we're reasoning constantly back and forth and Every, every sermon is a conversation piece. And Can I find something to disagree? Can I find something to pick at? Can I get my thumbnail under that and, you know, make a fuss about it? All the while, we've got a lost and a dying world. We've got people that have never heard. You know, we have had children in Sunday school just this past few weeks. They never heard. They don't know about the stable and the manger and the heavenly choir and the angels that sang and the star that led the wise men. They don't know about that. They 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 haven't it. it's common knowledge to us that are here, but not to them. There's so many things that are uncommon to people, and very often, as I say, that uncommon when they hear it, it's like, ah, I don't get that. I just don't get that. And they shut down and they glaze over and they, their mind goes somewhere else. And the Lord is what is like you're getting confused over something here, just like the disciples. You, you think I'm talking about something when I'm talking about something else completely. You think I'm dealing with something natural and you're all worried about natural things. And you can sit here and you can get all worried about your bills. You can get worried about your problems. But, you know, we tell you, hanging on a nail because it'll be there when you get back, okay? That'll all be there later. But for right now, it's time to focus. It's time to say, Lord, I've got an opportunity here, just a few hours in a week here, and and if I could make the most of this, if, if you would be so kind, as it's written in Luke 24 and 45, to open my understanding that I might understand your word. Open it, Lord. Have mercy on me, Lord. Let me get what you're saying and let me get about it. You said to repent? Okay. Don't fuss with me. Don't want to hit that brick wall and that dead end and hurt myself and cut myself. I'm going to repent. I'm going to tell you I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to change my direction. I've been going in the wrong direction, chasing the wrong things i'm gonna I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna start going in the right direction in the direction that your word is is speaking of to give me leading and leadership. I'm gonna do that. and uh, if it means cutting off some things, well, I'm gonna cut off some things. I'm gonna stop doing some things. I'm going to get away from some things. I'm going to go in a new path, a spiritual path, a godly path. I'm going to try to learn how to do things the way you want me to do. it. And what's going to, what I am going to be told next by the Scripture and that I don't need it to be, think, that I need to let it be strange to me. I need to welcome it. I need to embrace it. I need to just take it right in. Just get willing. You ever read the Bible, talked about the willing mind, the willing hearted. I just need to get willing. After all, this is according to John 3 16, for whosoever will, whosoever will, I don't I don't I don't want to be a, a part of the whosoever woots anymore, or the will nots. I, I've been that path for so long. And I've cut myself and hurt myself and wounded myself and beat my head against the wall till it was bloody. I don't want to do that anymore. I wanna I want to get among the willing. Even the Lord said in his word in the book of Isaiah, he said, Come now, let us reason together. You know the Lord is very reasonable, and his in his reasoning with people, he's not unreasonable. He tries to get on our level. He condescends to us who are of low estate. uh, Maybe that's what Jesus was teaching by his body language that day when they came and had taken a woman and thrown her at the feet of Jesus, accusing her and that she had been caught in a very unfaithful act, adultery. And uh, they said that the law says, Moses and the law, throwing Scripture around, throwing the word at him who is the word. Isn't that ironic? And they said, Moses and the law say that we should stone her. What do you say? And this they did. They wanted to tempt him. They wanted to catch him. They they might accuse him. But they might destroy him. Okay. And you know that's the thing about it. People sometimes they get in these big reasonings and they get in these big conflabs, flapping their mouths all the, all over the place. And they don't realize that there's a spirit in there that's come to destroy. Now. If they would never admit. Oh, I'm not gonna. No, I will. No, oh, but that's what the spirit of it is, because that's all the devil knows how to do: to pluck up what's planted, to kill, to destroy. His name in Hebrew and Greek is is just that: destroyer, destruction. And so, Jesus is making it clear that he's he's come to help. He's come to seek and to save. He's come to pull people out of the fire. He's come to Give people sense and understanding to lead them into spiritual paths and to do them good. Do them good. So it's like we had a person visiting here and two of them, and they were trying to tell us, or some of our young people, trying to tell them that uh, I was doing wrong because I was telling people that The next step after you repent is to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And it would be for the forgiveness of all of your sins that everything could be wiped out. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. He said, you you have sin, but he said, I'll get rid of it. I'll get rid of it. It's dirty and it's nasty and I'll turn it white as wool. I'll make it pure as driven snow. I'll do this for you. Let's work together here. And so as Jesus dealt with people, and as I dealt with this, came up this two people talking to the young people. And I said, so Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But you're saying, he that believeth and is not baptized, shall be saved. So, in other words, you're contradicting what Jesus said, right? Is that what you're doing? And the young lady went, "Yeah, I guess so." <laughs> That's amazing that you would actually acknowledge that you're contradicting God. And uh, but you see, a spirit can get into a thing; deception can get in. Beware of the doctrine. That's what they finally understood. He was telling them, "Watch out for false doctrine." Watch out for false teaching from different denominations, man-made ideas. Watch out for that. Beware of that. Oh, okay, okay. So I've got to, I've got to try the spirits. I've got to test the spirits. I've got to, I've got to realize that there's that which is going on, which is out to confuse and out to destroy and out to keep me from doing what the Lord wants me to do. He wants to get me caught up in all kinds of religious reasoning. You know, and I think this, and I think that, he said this, and she said that. And, you know, well, I, you know, and it just goes on and on and on, you know. And uh, yet people who really are believing the Word of God, they're they're relying on chapter and verse. They want to read it. They want to put their finger on it. They want to know. And that's what the Apostle said. I know in whom I believe because I've got chapter and verse for it. i I've got subject matter for it, not just one chapter and verse, but I've got chapter and verses in subject matter that I can prove. And it even said in the Scripture that it should be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. You need two or three Scriptures. You don't want to get out of balance or get way out in left field when you only have one verse on something. You might want to hang that on a nail and and just pray about it and move on to the things that we have positive chapter and verse for. Because we don't want to wind up in false doctrine. We don't want to wind up in the boat with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the denominations and all of their false teachings. We don't want to. You know, I had a a preacher not too too many months ago, we'll say, and uh, Took him out to eat on the way to the airport, and he told me that he didn't believe in doing a certain thing, and I was shocked, and I said, why not? And he said, well, I'm just not comfortable with it, and I said, oh, okay, I said, so it's a personal conviction with you. I said, nothing wrong with that. You don't want to partake in something because it's something personal. That's fine. And then I leveled my eyes on him and I said, just don't teach it as a doctrine. And so I begin to got a piece of paper and I begin to put some things with pen and paper and you know in a manner of explaining to him what the scripture teaches versus what the scripture isn't teaching. It's important, very important, that you get in the book and you stay with the book. You get the doctrine of Jesus Christ, which is the apostles' doctrine, and you continue steadfastly in that. And that you don't want to go off, veer off to the right or to the left. The Bible talked about people that got involved with vain jangling. It was just just worthless, useless. Just a big old noise is you know all it was. And a waste of that. It was it was useless. And it's so easy. A spirit can get into the thing so quickly. So, pay attention. Just like somebody saying, "Well, I don't believe baptism is essential." Well, gee, uh, that's a shame because the Bible teaches it is. You know, then it becomes, "Do I believe the Bible or don't I believe the Bible?" Am I gonna? You know, I had a man one many times, but one in particular in my memory, I was knocking doors and witnessing to people and. And I was invited. It was a new field work, and we're trying to get started. And out in the neighborhoods, and I kept enlarging my radius. And uh, so I I talked to this one man at his front door of his house, probably for about 15 minutes. And and uh, he told me. He said, you know, he said, everything you've said. He said, I I I see what you're saying. He said, but. I've been what I've been for 20 years. He said, I'm not going to change now. didn't matter what God's Word said. I'm just what I am, and I'm, I'm going to stay that way. So there are people that come up with all kinds of different answers, and usually those answers are natural answers. And the answer to a spiritual situation never will be answered by something natural. It it takes a spiritual answer to find the answer to the equation when it's a spiritual equation. So we've got to learn from these apostles in training that rode with Jesus, walked with Jesus, and talked with Jesus, and then were inspired to put it to pen, knowing that all scripture All, A-double-L, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And that all that Scripture is profitable if you're believing it, if you're obeying it, then it profits you. It'll put you in the profit side of the ledger, okay? And it'll, it'll do things for you that nothing else can do. But His Word can do it. You believe his word. Once again, it said repent. No need to fuss. No need to argue. Just repent. Just tell God you're sorry and make an about face and let's start going in the right direction. And then he said, be baptized. Well, let's get baptized. Well, well, you know, we had a woman here the other day visiting and I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing she's somewhere close to 40. I can say that because you're not here this morning. If I was here, I'd say she probably about twenty five. No, okay. <laughs> I'm just guessing, okay. But she made the statement. She said, You baptized me. Twenty, was it twenty four years ago? Right here in Jesus' name. And I said, Well, we need to do that again, since we haven't seen you in so long. So I'm going to tell you. If you got wet when you were a baby and you couldn't say anything about goo goo gaga," you know, you, you need to be baptized. You just got wet, okay? Somebody enjoyed what they call a christening. But you know that's not in the Bible. Now, dedication, that's in the Bible. We can dedicate you. We're happy to dedicate babies. But that doesn't require. I had a, a young lady that's about nine years old, asked me about baptism. At what age do you get baptized? And I said, well, the Bible doesn't give an age. That's the first order of business. But what we find in the, the overall teaching of the Scripture is that you have to come to a place to where you know right from wrong so that you can repent, that you know when I talk back to my mom, that was wrong. you know. Or several other examples we could give, but the child begins to realize mental maturity is developing and that child can knows I'm doing it wrong versus this is the right way to do it. You read through the Bible in the Old Testament, you read about different kings and in one it would say that he did right in the sight of the Lord. You read about another one, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Of the Lord, so you get to a place to where you can discern between doing right and doing wrong, and a child can get just as stirred up as an adult, and say, "I I need to be baptized. I've I've done some things wrong, and I want to." Actually, we had a, a little boy; he was about nine years old, and um, a lot of the kids were getting baptized, and they said, "Hey, you gonna get baptized?" And he said, "No," and they said, "Why not?" He said, "Cause I got a whole lot of sinning to do." Nine years old? My goodness. Wow. Well, if he had those kind of reasoning skills, I would imagine then he could. He was a candidate to repent, wasn't he? He certainly would know the difference between the, the bad things and the good things, the spiritual things and the natural things. All right. So we want to get the understanding. We want to get that understanding. Don't be hard-headed. Don't be dull. That's a Bible word. Let's not be dull. Let's sharpen up. And after you repent, then we baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And we're going to pray for you that God will give you the free gift of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of God's Spirit, which is the gift of eternal life, which is also known as the Comforter, and He'll comfort you your difficulties and your problems, your hard times. You don't have to get distracted. You can bring it to the Lord, and he can take care of it for you. And everybody said, praise the Lord. So you don't want the Lord to be looking at you this morning and say, don't you understand? You're still not getting it. Three simple things to do. Three simple things. What are you reasoning about? What are you struggling over? What are you tripped up over? What's going on? Time to get motivated. Time to get up and get moving and go forward. Get this experience in your life. Become a part of the body of Christ, which is the church and the congregation of God's believers and begin to be a part of what the church is doing. The only thing that matters only thing that's going to matter because there's a day coming when Jesus will return and it's coming pretty soon we're closer to it of course than anybody's ever been and not just because of time but because of fulfillment of scriptures not a whole lot left to be fulfilled and he will return for his church and once the church is taken out of here there's no more chances it's over it's over just like when when the ark started lifting up in the days of Noah and people were trying to keep their head above water. Well, they had bills. They had problems trying to keep their head above water. And they're trying to let me in, let me into that ark, the one that that big church is what it, what it typifies. And it only had one door. And everybody there had one name. But it was too late. it was too late. It was too late. And there are other teachings in the scripture when people waited too late. It was a time to buy and they didn't. You don't buy with money, you buy with faith. And they didn't use the faith that God gave them. They squandered it on natural things, natural things. and they wound up outside. and that's not where you want to be. You want to get in the body of Christ. You want to get in the church. You want to be on the inside. You want to be a part of what he's doing. You don't want to argue it. You don't want to fuss with it. You don't want to reason it. Okay? You want to believe it and act on it. And as it's written in one place, that that thou doest, do quickly. Don't lollygag around. Don't drag around. Let's get with it. Let's get with it. Get about God's business, God's work, God's truth. Get about something that matters and something that counts, something that has meaning. It's not going to matter if you climb the highest mountain or swam the the ocean, okay? It's not going to matter about all of those great feats of man and that they'll put in the Guinness World Book of Records or something. It's not going to matter in that day. None of that's going to matter. The... the The Guinness World Book is going to burn up. Other things are going to burn up. But you can be among that group that the fire has no power over them. Okay? Let's stand together. Love you and appreciate you. There's a beautiful opportunity for you here today. Whatever your situation is, God is your answer. His name is Jesus. His name is above every name. He heals all manner of sickness and disease. And he, saves, he can save anybody from whatever it is that's got a hold of them and they need deliverance from. He can do that. I want you to believe that with me this morning. While she sings, let's lift our hearts with our hands and love our God together. Thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you, King of Kings. Thank you, Lord of Lords. Thank you, God of God. I praise you. I worship you. I love you. I need you, Lord. I pray that you'll touch all of our hearts and minister to all of our minds. Bring us away from disputes, squabbles, reasonings, misunderstandings, and ignorance, lack of knowledge. Oh, God, open our understanding to your holy word. Lead and guide us into all truth. Help us to open the door of our hearts. So that you can come in through the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Jesus. And I praise you, and I worship you, God. You're great and mighty. Thank you, Lord.
0: Oy! Oh, yeah.